ready for that pretty extreme level of rejection. You know, you got to be able to just wear it and just keep going. So can't really point out too many specific times. I mean, one time, one co-packer in particular, you know, that was really courting, kept saying no. And I came back after I'd actually had the product formulated and figured out how to make it cold filled and shelf stable and have these amazing ingredients. And I was telling him, Hey, this is going to be something big, you know, I have, have this product and these ingredients are so amazing. And he just stopped me in my tracks and just said, listen, you know, your ingredients don't matter. All that matters is how much money you have, you know, to market your product. That one really stuck with me. Honestly, that one kind of pissed me off. Trademarking our tagline, which we still have today, is really a big part of everything we do. It's our ingredients matter. Yeah, you got to find things to just keep you motivated, you know? I mean, you got to have the passion, you know, you just got to find things in this journey to kind of just keep the fire lit and keep you going. And because uh, it's hard, you know, every day is hard when you're building something, when you have big goals, the wins are really big. And then, you know, the, the loses kind of hit hard too, the losses. Yeah. So. Welcome to The Irresistible Factor, a podcast where I talk to founders and investors and retailers about what it takes to launch successful brands. From developing a compelling proposition and brand identity, to raising capital, to getting distribution, and more. My name is Christy Bridges, and I'm a marketing expert with tons of experience and a true love for all things health and wellness. Welcome to today's episode of The Irresistible Factor. I'm really excited to have Justin Gill as my guest today. He is the founder and CEO of Bachans. So welcome to the podcast, Justin. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Thank you, Christy. I'm really excited to be here. Appreciate it. So why don't you start by just giving us a little bit of background on Bachans, and then I want to hear also how you wound up doing what you're doing. Sure. Bachans was born from a multi-generational family recipe. It's named after my bachan. Bachan is a Japanese-American term of endearment for grandmother. She's who taught my parents and myself how to make our sauce. And we used to make it, you know, a big batch every year with our family during the holidays when I was a kid. And I go around and pass out bottles with my dad to clients of our family landscape business. And people just love the sauce. It's kind of was like a local legend here in Sebastopol, California. So I kind of just always wanted to bring it to market one day. That's kind of how it all started. I don't think I realized that when we talked last time that it was a recipe that you were sort of grassroots sharing after making it every month. That's really interesting. I wouldn't have thought of the kind of sauce that you make the same way that you think of like when you said that I thought of Italians making tomato <laughs> sauce, you know? That's really yeah. cool. That's a really yeah. interesting story. Yeah, it's a total family heirloom, you know. So, I mean, to this day, I still eat our sauce on some kind of meal a couple times a week, and it still kind of, you know, brings me back. And I have a ton of good memories with it. Yeah. So, so what were you doing before you started the company? I was doing um, all kinds of different things. I mean, I went to school actually and studied horticulture science in college, and then graduated and went to work for our family landscape business for my dad, doing landscape design and construction and kind of built out a design build division of the company when I started working for him and grew that, grew the business, I think hundred percent or so over a couple of years and kind of did it my whole life. You know, it really didn't kind of fill that purpose bucket for me. And during the time I was working for my dad, we had a, a business consultant who I ended up becoming good friends with, and we ended up starting a clothing line together. So I left my dad's company with our business consultant, which was kind of a weird scenario, but we started a clothing line in, it was a lifestyle clothing line in 
during the time that mixed martial arts was really taking off, like early 2000s. Yep. And so that was my first, I guess, like real entrepreneurial experience. You know, we built a brand over a couple of year period, scaled it, you know, internationally, we're doing really well. And then kind of the economy crashed. And then we had to kind of sell off some assets to the business and end up losing the business. So learned a lot during that time. Mm -hmm, I'm um, sure. Yeah. So, and then I went back to doing landscape design, doing some consulting and just doing a lot of different things and nothing that really, you know, gave me any great purpose. So I said to myself, you know, Hey, now's as good a time as any to try to launch you know, the sauce company I've been wanting to do for a long time. So yeah, I started that journey in 2013 and it pretty instantly filled that purpose bucket for me. And I had really big ambitions for, for what we wanted to do. And I wanted to show my daughters, you know, what can be done in this life. If you're passionate about something, you work really hard for it. So that's amazing. So you've had quite a journey and it sounds like even though you sort of knew you wanted to do something like this, you weren't always on that path. No, you know, I mean, I was always, I think I was kind of probably born an entrepreneur. That's the only thing <laughs> I ever really wanted to do, except for maybe being a professional athlete, which definitely didn't work out for me. So I had tons of business ideas as a kid. My bachan actually used to live on the uh, same property as us growing up. And I used to go down all the time and talk to her about my business ideas and make little prototypes and stuff. So looking back to my childhood and I was always interested in entrepreneurship and in business. So I think I read it somewhere that when you look back at things you were interested in as a child, it can kind of give you clues to what, you know, you might love doing as an adult. So that's for me, interesting. Yeah. So talk about starting the business then. I know it's not easy. It's not as simple as I had an idea. I really want to start a brand and here I go. So talk about what your process was like and, and what you had to do. Yeah, the process, it's a lot of learning, a lot of thinking, you know, kind of pretty much by myself. My wife and I would bounce ideas off her all the time and and really at a certain point just kind of had to jump in. So jumped in, tried to learn as much as I could about the CPG food world, went to especially food show or two, went to some seminars, tried to learn how to commercialize our product. And after a lot of trial and error, after a lot of being told no, after a lot of, you know, getting turned down by co-packer after co-packer. Yeah was finally able to commercialize our family sauce and make it in a way that was unique to anything else in the marketplace and you know had the best ingredients I could find in the world very very close to the sauce that I grew up with as a commercial product so that was like the the first part of the process that actually took quite a lot of time it took me like 6 years or something to actually get the product ready for market that's yeah. a long time what i'm curious to know if you ever felt like, ah, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make this happen, or just did you get discouraged at, at any of those points along the way when you were getting rejected by co-packers or whoever you were trying to work with that just wasn't working out? Yeah. I mean, all the time. Yeah. Tons of times, countless times, really. I mean, you know, when you're trying to do something new, when you're trying to do something where you don't have a lot of experience, very few people are going to believe in you, you know? So you uh, just- Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. you ready for that pretty extreme level of rejection. You know, you got to be able to just wear it and just keep going. So can't really point out too many specific times. I mean, one time, one co-packer in particular, you know, that was really courting, kept saying no. And I came back after I'd actually had the product formulated and figured out how to make it cold filled and shelf stable and have these amazing ingredients. And I was telling him, Hey, this is going to be something big, you know, I have, have this product and these ingredients are so amazing. And he just stopped me in my tracks and just said, listen, you know, your ingredients don't matter. 
all that matters how much money you have you know to market your product that one really stuck with me honestly that one kind of pissed me off trademarking our tagline which we still have today is really a big part of everything we do it's our ingredients matter so that person amazing told- so you turned it into something really compelling right yeah i turned it into something and, and used it kind of as a chip on my shoulder i don't know yeah. why it's kind of like to have that sometimes and just it keeps me going so i actually get motivated when people you know kind of don't think i can do something it's i don't know i've always kind of i guess had that i don't know for good or bad i do too it's really interesting it's like some rebel thing where you just want to prove people wrong right like that guy got under your skin somehow you probably used it often to propel yourself forward and say i'm not going to let this happen yeah Yeah. that's cool you got to find things to just keep you motivated you know I mean, you got to have the passion, you know, you just got to find things in this journey to kind of just keep the fire lit and keep you going. And because uh, it's hard, you know, every day is hard when you're building something, when you have big goals, the wins are really big. And then, you know, the, the loses kind of hit hard too. the losses. Yeah. So. I was talking to someone about that this morning, actually, a brand that I'm working with. And I think you have to sort of, I don't know if you feel this way or not, but I'm curious to hear, you have to like recognize that the wins are probably not ever as big as they seem like they are. And then the losses aren't ever as big as they seem like they are either. And try to stay somewhere in the middle. So you're not having this emotional roller coaster that matches the actual business roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. You have to kind of recognize and get excited about the win and just keep your team excited and motivated and show them that you appreciate everything they're doing to get these wins, but you can't kind of rest on your laurels. I mean, you know, as a leader of a company, I think one thing you kind of have to do is just almost counterbalance, you know, whatever like the vibe is, or, you know, people are getting, I don't want to call it complacent, but if, if there's too many wins going on, you kind of got to balance it and just say, Hey, hey you know, this, we still have some challenges ahead of us, or, you know, people are getting down. You have to be the optimistic guy. So. Yeah. yeah. How do you do it? Like what makes you motivated and excited when you're down or, and is it always wanting to prove someone wrong or are there other things too? <laughs> no, Cause that's no, perfectly no, no. fine. I mean, there's a totally valid yeah. way to motivate yourself. I love it. Yeah. No, that's not like the only thing I'm about, but that's funny. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's just wanting to build something great, I guess, like wanting to be part of something great, like wanting to be the best at something. I think just that just keeps me going and really just wanted to set an example for my kids, you know, family and show and like just showing them what what can be done, you know, not giving up because that's half the battle. It really is, you know, you just tenacity, just, you got to keep going. Yeah. Eventually you're going to break the wall down. Yeah. Eventually. Talk about the journey a little bit. So you had this idea, you started the brand, you finally figured out how to make it real. Then what? Because it's 2013, you've been around for, you know, almost for 10 years, almost. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we had it for quite a while. We didn't actually launch the brand until 2019. So, oh, wow. Uh, okay. Yes. Yeah, so we launched 2019, did 35,000 in revenue that year. Uh, it was a half year and just really tried to prove product market fit, I guess, is efficiently as we could. You know, I, I started the business with my own capital, with personal loans, credit cards, like, kind of like these short-term, you know, growth capital loans, mm-hmm. but did whatever I could, you know? And so got that to market, you know, made a tight amount of money in 2019. And then 2020, we scaled the business to 1.5 million in revenue with one SKU. And at that point, I felt that we had product market fit. Started thinking about raising some capital because I knew that's what you had to do if you wanted to grow fast and mm-hmm. 
bringing something new to market. So I really wanted to get it out there before someone else tried to capitalize on what we were building. At that point, I raised a seed round of growth capital from Prelude Growth Partners, our series seed. And you know, they've been a great partner all the way through. And then launched three more SKUs during that year, 2021. We came out with a gluten-free SKU, a yuzu Japanese barbecue sauce, and a hot and spicy Japanese barbecue sauce. And you know, closed out that year with six and a half million in revenue or so. And then it's such an amazing story. It really is. I mean, it's not the usual story for sure. Yeah. It's been incredible. I mean, it's just, you know, extremely grateful and and just humbled by it all. And just, we have an amazing team now, you know, we just brought on a CFO in 2022. We just hired a VP of marketing that came over from REI. Her name's Janet Lee. She's amazing. And we also hired a senior vice president of sales, Ephraim Cardenas. And so we've kind of filled out our executive team. Everybody was in our office this week and we were getting after it. It was fun. Yeah. What do you think made you, I mean, I know it took a long time because 2013 is 10 years ago and you launched in 2019, but what made it possible for you to go from $1.5 million in revenue to $6 million in revenue in a really short amount of time without, before you raise capital, what, what do you think it is about what you're doing that's different than what other people are doing? I think we just, that time of just obsessing over making the best product I could every little detail about the brand, about how does our brand connect people? How is it authentic to us? How is it different than anything? Just all the above, you know, focus on that for a long time. And then once we got it out there in the market, every opportunity that came our way, we took advantage of it, I think, to the fullest we possibly could and just squeezed everything out of it. So yeah, I think that and just treating our customers how we want to be treated, whether it was a direct consumer customer, you know, I did all the customer service emails myself for quite a while, responded to all the social media comments until we brought people on to help with that. And then, you know, buyers just built those relationships and and really built it here in our backyard first, which I think was critical. You know, if you can't yeah. win in your own backyard, you're probably not going to win anywhere, you know? So yeah. Interesting. What's your distribution like now? Are you national? We're a national brand. We're in a national in Albertsons, Whole Foods, Sprouts, Costco, you know, we have a ton of natural channel customers. And this year we're kind of, you know, pushing out some new channels of business, which we're excited about. Did you start in natural and then expand or did you do it a different way? We took a pretty traditional go-to-market. I think we we started in natural and then expanded from there. So I think that works pretty well. I mean, there's tons of ways to do it. You can yeah. start you know, direct consumer and then, you know, kind of go after, you know, the bigger accounts right out of the gate on the power of your direct consumer brand. But we kind of just scaled all channels, digital, Amazon, and natural this at the same time. And then we're now kind of entering, uh, you know, the mass channels. Yeah. Wow. And is the majority of your business in-store purchasing or is it DTC or Amazon? Yeah, it's majority um, in retail. Yeah. In we retail. started out with majority direct consumer and then have... Wow. Yeah. Over the past couple of years. What do you feel like your biggest challenges are? You know, early on, I think it was just figuring everything out, building our supply chain. And then, you know, after that, it was really just scaling the supply chain over, you know, over pretty rapid growth. And then, I mean, for me personally, it's kind of transitioning from being an operator into, you know, a real CEO, I guess. And yeah. 
trying to lead these people that, you know, are much more experienced than me that have business degrees from some of the best schools in the nation. And, and really, you know, they still depend on me to, to make the big decisions and really drive the direction of the company. So just making that transition for me personally, it's been a challenge for sure, but it's a growth opportunity. I'm, you know, I'm up for it. Some days it's harder than others. But yeah, that's been a personal challenge, I guess. That's what I've been thinking about a lot the past couple of days, actually. But yeah, for the business, it's just, I think, just maintaining what I think made us special to start and and never losing sight of that and, you know, continuing to put our customers first, make the best products we can, you know, and staying focused, really. Yeah. I want to talk about the personal challenge a little bit because I think it's really valuable for the people who are listening. A lot of people are scaling and having to make transitions and hire people and give up and say, give up complete control, but give up some of the things that, you know, were their day-to-day job. So why challenging to do that? Because in some ways, like if you think about it from just a, what are the right next steps and what's exciting, like moving into a role where you're really just making those, just making those decisions as if it's easy and you get to hire all these great people seems so exciting. I get the challenge. Talk about what you think is challenging about that. There's just a lot. It's balancing, just not letting your business get too bureaucratic as a team. Bigger processes is necessary. And it's just, you know, not having so much process where it slows you down, but having enough to where you can be affected because mistakes are much more costly now than they were a couple of years ago. And then, yeah, just like leading in general, I've been trying to read and find, you know, mentors and friends that have kind of done this before and learning from them and, I mean, organizational design, it's just, there's a lot, you know, great. You know, I talked to two people that have already gone through somewhat of a transition. And one of them is the, are the guys from Midday Squares. I don't know if you know that brand. They're out. Yeah. So they have coaches and sort of therapists that they work with every single week. They talked about it on the podcast, how important it is, like just get coached and really have support as you go through those transitions. And then I think the founder of Mush who's an awesome, awesome lady. Same thing. She has a coach or a mentor that she works with on a very, very regular basis for the same exact reasons you're talking about, just because it's hard to make those transitions. And, you know, it's a different skill set. Totally. Absolutely. Probably time I got one of those, you know, I'm kind of lucky. I have one of my best friends is, you know, built a large enterprise and kind of, you know, scaled and done everything. So it's kind of lean on him a lot, That's great. Um, you know, but it would be nice to have someone formal because you know his time is valuable also and I can't just be asking him questions. <laughs> sure. uh, People love to help. I think it's great that you have someone that you already know. But yeah, I think that's interesting because uh, I don't think that's ever come up as like when I ask what's the biggest challenge, generally people go to what's the biggest business challenge. But I think that's really important for founders because it's yeah. different. It's different. Yeah. Every founder is different too, you know, so you have to understand yourself really and like what you're great at. And what you're not great at and just build around, you know, where you're not great and then just be, be confident and have conviction of what you are great at. And yeah, it's different for every, every person. So, so building this executive team for you, how have you found that? Is it exciting? How are you finding the right people? Like, is how important is fit for you? Yeah. I mean, fits extremely important. And even that process, we hired a top search firm to help us find, you know, our SVP of sales and VP of marketing. So we interviewed, you know, top sales leaders across the country, top marketing leaders across the country. And that in itself was a big learning experience for me, you know, having to 
just you know interview all these people and try to figure out who's going to be the best one for botchan so it kind of starts you know with fit there's a lot of similar experiences and then you know skill set of course and and then you know for us diversity equity inclusion was really important you know and so yeah. i'm really happy that we were able to to add you know a minority asian american female leader to our executive team and a mexican american man to our leadership team as well so it all worked out and they're both just incredible individuals so it's been fun i mean we did a lot of hiring over this last month so i think that's been a little bit of the challenge for me is just onboarding everybody so we're kind yes. of went on a big you know hiring ramp and then we're going to kind of cool it for a while and just get everybody on board and we have the team now to carry us through you know probably at least the next year what are your goals for the brand like where do you want to be in the next three five years and then ultimately what's your goal I don't know if I'm supposed to really share this one, but we are working on, you know, our OKRs. That's one thing we're working on for the past couple of weeks is, you know, our objectives and key results from kind of top down and, and then also bottom up, you know, so we're starting with just, you know, two long-term goals and then year, then down by quarter, you know, our ultimate, I think, objective long-term here is to build the most loved condiment brand in the U.S. It might sound kind of simple, but really that kind of... Oh, it does not sound simple to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, everything kind of ladders up into that, you know, and that really solves for any challenge that comes our way. If we can achieve that, you know, we have this extreme customer loyalty. It's, you know, as far as like private label brands or competitors or whatever, for the most loved, that's like the best thing we can do. So yeah. that's the long-term goal really. And and not just the most loved, you know, Asian condiment brand or ethnic, it's just, you know, the most loved condiment brand. So it's a huge goal. And like, how are you guys going about innovation? Cause to do that, obviously you're going to have to expand beyond the sauces that you have now. Just innovating very thoughtfully and carefully, honestly. I think that's one thing I learned in the search we did for a sales leader. You know, mm -hmm. I would say 90% of the sales leaders that I spoke with were all working on either currently or a very short time period back, we're working on key rationalization within the company. Yeah. So like, you know, way too many SKUs, way too yep. fast, yep. They, you know, cutting back their core SKUs. So I don't ever want to put Botchons in a place where we're having to SKU rationalize and, you know, retail, they're doing that too. So yeah, I think just we're innovating right now and we had something we thought be ready a little sooner than, than it will be, but Hey, you know, we're just going to, we want to come to market with the best products we possibly can. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really smart because I have seen two things happen that I think are pretty common and also have been the downfall of a lot of companies. One is over-innovating yeah. and having way too many SKUs and never being able to focus on anything and confusing buyers and retailers and consumers. And then the other is over-distributing, getting into so many places that you can't support them and then losing the distribution, yeah. which is really horrible for a company, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Those are the two. I think that pretty much can get you. We hired a sales strategy director and he's, you know, really a, you know, a data scientist and he's also been a category manager. So having him on board has just been incredible, you know, being able to just really monitor our performance, you know, at the SKU level, at the account level, you know, all across all channels, you know, look at areas that we're thinking about innovating into, just making us a lot smarter, you know, and that's been huge. I would highly recommend that, you know, as a key member of the team, you know, when you get to a certain point of growth, it's really important. Yeah. And what do you guys do from a marketing perspective? How do people find out about you? Up to this point, it's mostly been digital for us, you know, mm -hmm. you know, digital is, it's pretty scalable. You can reach a lot of people 
people are on their phones a lot. So I think it's still a pretty powerful way to market to people and to, you know, just top of funnel stuff. And then this year we are doing a lot more retail marketing. So mm-hmm. up to this point, we've done very little retail marketing as oh, far as off-shelf opportunities. So we've earned some of those now this year. And so we're really excited to see how those do. And we have a fair amount of them locked in for this year. So really just, you know, marketing as close to the point of consumption as we can. I think that's yeah. probably sufficient use of your dollars for, you know, a brand that's trying to grow in retail and then overlaying digital top of that too, because you need to get touches uh, with consumers to just remind them that that you're there. And, and so, definitely, yeah. definitely. I want to ask you two questions. So one is going to be, what's the your favorite part about being a founder and an entrepreneur? And then the second is what's your least favorite? Let's see my favorite, just being able to build something, I think from nothing. I think that's just the coolest thing I think we get to do is, you know, something starts in your mind and then it goes to a piece of paper you know, and then it goes to a spreadsheet and then it goes to, you know, a concept and then it gets to market and then you see it grow and then you see people buying it and loving it. And it's just like this, uh, this crazy oh, feeling. Cool. That I, that I it's love. amazing. Yeah. That's what I love the most. What about the other question? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what I love the least. Oh, fair amount of stress that comes along with it. You know, not going to lie about that. It's something that I have to actively try to manage. And I've noticed you know, just recently, probably over this past six months, stress has gotten heavier and it's, I just have to make time for myself, you know, and just try to balance, you know, being a a leader of a company, a father, a husband, I guess it's kind of a canned answer, but it's true. I mean, it's like, that's the the only kind of thing, I guess, I guess I don't like, I mean, yeah, the stress that comes with it, stress sucks. So, I mean, it does because it's a lot like the bigger you get, the more in some ways you've got a lot of people counting on you. You've got your consumers and you've got your retailers, but you also have all these employees, right? Yeah. And so it's hard. It is. It's a lot of pressure. And it it's so important to find ways to take care of yourself too, because you're taking care of all the rest of the people. Yeah, yeah. And some people are more built for it. You know, like I love the creative part about the business. I love the strategy, the vision. I actually don't mind the pressure. Like I like making big decisions, but it's just, there's also a lot of like one of my friends that runs a company is super extroverted, you know? And so yeah. he loves just being out there. And for me, I'm a little more introverted. So everyone's different, I guess, you know? So yeah, of course, of course. But yes, I think there's a difference between a bit. I mean, obviously introverts and extroverts, big difference. And so the stress that you feel is probably completely different than whatever's, whatever he thinks about every single night. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You've given a lot of great advice, but before we wrap up, anything you want founders to know, understand, or lessons you've learned you'd, you'd love to share? I would say, you know, a couple of things. I think one is, this is definitely like, I see it in the market and we're challenged with it all the time, but, you know, don't, especially when you're starting out, like don't, don't try to make 20 good products, you know, before you can make one great one and get validation from the market just go slow in, in that area, I would say, because there's a lot of shiny lights, you know, buyers want you to put new products out, customer, yeah. even your team members, but you have to stay disciplined. And so I think that's super important, especially today, you know, profitability is very important. You know, growth is important too, though. So kind of got to balance those things. And then, yeah, stay focused for sure. Stay focused, stay hungry, stay humble. That's it. You know, truly be focused on those things. I think you set yourself up for success. Awesome. Those are great. Anything else you want to add before, or before we wrap? We're going to be at Expo West. So if anyone's 
there. We're going to have some new stuff to try. So I'm excited. It's, it's actually my first expo. I've actually never been to Expo West. So oh my goodness, you're in for a treat and also <laughs> a wild ride. <laughs> yeah, that's what everyone's been telling me. So yeah, we're super excited. We're, we're going to exhibit. We have a booth in Hall E. It's going to be fun. Yeah. So come by and say hi. We'll be there. I will definitely see you there. All right. And thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and all the advice. I think it's fantastic. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Christy. Thank you for listening to The Irresistible Factor. I'm Christy Bridges, and I can't wait to see you next Wednesday.